The Mission publishes the number one newsletter for accelerated learning. Learn from the best and brightest by joining our community at themission.co forward slash subscribe. On today's episode of the Mission Daily, Chad and Chris Lockhead of the Legends and Losers podcast discuss why advertising your podcast doesn't work and the pitfalls of censoring yourself. Also, Chris shares a motivational message you'll want to hear. We hope you enjoy. So, I, you know, I'm just on Apple here on iTunes and I'm looking yeah. at a new and noteworthy for business podcasts. And how to be awesome at your job. Better PR now and meaningful show. So that's and, probably an automated uh, and, feature and innovation and leadership and cash flow ninja. I, I, I can't tell you for sure, but <laughs> like these podcasts have been here for over six months. Yeah. So and then if you pick on one and I will, you go to Dean Bokahari. Is that how you say his name? His I don't show. know. It called The Meaningful Show. First of all, there's only nine episodes uh, of Dean, it. we love you. <laughs> there's only nine episodes of it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And what the f*** is going on here? Well, that's that's automated. So I, I think it's, it's some type of like automated thing where for the first, so six and a half months ago, we had no podcasts at the mission. And, or actually, I think it's seven months now. And we launched our first one back then. And then we launched... Uh, another three. So we're at four that are out in the wild now. And we didn't get any of these features at first. So I have no idea how Apple selects them. But sometimes when you launch a new podcast, you get a new and noteworthy feature. And for whatever reason, we just didn't get any of them out of the gate. And so if you get that, that can help. But those automated features that Apple does, they're not necessarily the big drivers of downloads. The big drivers of downloads are going to be the features that you use Apple Podcasts request a feature tool to get. And they're basically like, it's a big questionnaire. You have to fill out the reason that you want a feature, why it's a good fit, everything like that. But with Apple Podcasts and with Google Podcasts, the internal teams that are building these are so small. So I'm not that familiar with the Apple Podcast team yet. We're pitching a couple teams at Google right now about a custom branded channel. And we're also talking to a lot of their uh, folks on the podcast team. They're trying to build a number of different tools. They're trying to improve the service and, and all kinds of things like that. And what we found is that you expect this big team of people with a massive budget and they do have a pretty sizable budget, but they're generally you know just a handful of people trying to do the best they can. So it's still an industry that isn't being taken as seriously as it should by Apple and Google. And they're just now starting to see the writing on the wall where Apple has dipped their toes into the original content game and they've done a couple like video series and movies and TV shows and stuff. They failed spectacularly. Uh, they haven't really found an audience despite all the money that Apple put in. And I think that somebody finally at Apple ran the numbers and saw, oh, wait a minute, people are doing podcasts for us generally for free, or we don't have to do too much to get all this like super premium high quality content. And meanwhile, when we try to create an original series, we have to pay the director $5 million for a 20 minute episode that doesn't scale, but this whole podcast thing that does. And so Apple's seen two and that. A half. <laughs> no, we're, <laughs> so we're actually, we're getting into original content too, because for us, like a lot of the money that we make is going to come from optioning the best seasons of our shows, the best performing. Yeah. Generally the best performing seasons. We're going to be optioning those to Netflix and people like that. So I have my hand raised, I guess is what I'm saying to you, Chad. <laughs> awesome uh, question or well no like what what could or should we do together i i care about yeah. one thing really i mean you know, some monetization is always nice more money is always better than less money um, <laughs> sure sure but that said yeah let's figure out how to bring you on the network it's not you don't have to do any crazy things you don't have to wear a mission t-shirt when you uh podcast you i'll wear a... a mission t-shirt everyone <laughs> at least you know every third episode or something send send me no, one no. that fits but yeah, so you know, let's, I mean, let's What I'm interested that. in is distribution. What I know is at some level it's a numbers game. And I also know that, I, I, although I haven't tried this yet, you know, I, I've thought about like, what if I just took 25 grand 
and did like uh, you you tell me I don't even know what the right website is TechCrunch right. Success.com I have no idea yeah. but like what happens if you actually like can you so advertise a podcast no, I have no, no we've idea we've tried it we tried it it, it doesn't I've, work I've does it don't do it <laughs> the only thing that we my theory about the only thing that's really going to work and move the needle is basically influencer promotion and so that's when we put out the offers for narration to CAA one of the things that we included in the contract, and it's not cheap by any stretch of the imagination, is to have the celebrity also promote. So having influencer promotion baked in. I think that influencer promotions are going to drive a ton of downloads, whether they're with the with the network, the partner you're using, or whether they're with influencers in your space. I think a concerted effort to reach basically all of the business prospects or people that you've interacted with or worked with in the past with a message letting them know like how to share. That's a cheap, low cost thing that you know you could do right now. Just basically making it known to them, hey, if you wanna support what I'm doing, if you wanna get behind this, just share it. You can share it here, here's a pre-written message. I mean, that's like the low cost, balling on a budget option. Just and ask the audience to share the show. Definitely, definitely. Like, because those are your passionate people that realize I'm not asking you to donate through Patreon. I'm not asking a lot. I'm bringing, I'm doing a lot of hard work behind the scenes to make this happen. I'm putting my heart and soul into these actual interviews when they're going on. They want to help. And I think that we get separated because of this digital divide. And it's a great thing. I love technology, but the connecting with people, what can happen is I find myself falling into this, into this trap of thinking that the people on the other end of receiving the media don't want to help, that they're indifferent, that they don't care. And what I've found, like that's, Nothing could be further from the truth. If you have an audience, if you have anybody that's listening to you, they want to help like pay it forward. Not everybody is out there trying to get something for nothing. There are a lot of people that realize what you're doing is valuable. Just, yeah, just ask for the share too. And that's, you couldn't get a better referral engine than people who are like already raving fans telling one other person. And it's just, it's a simple text message that all they have to do, just grab a link to the show, text it to a friend. But if you love legends and losers, like do that today. It's like, it's a solid that they can do for you. And it's a solid they can do for creators everywhere because ultimately like the free speech you thing say this, Chad, because I've decided not all this, that the podcast industry taught me around asking for reviews and all that. I'm like, I've always hated that. I do yeah. it, but I feel like a it's not me. I've stopped yeah. doing it. And the only thing I'm going to ask for is, Hey, you know what? If you like this podcast, share the out of it. Yes, because ultimately your RSS feed is going to be in the very near future on so many different platforms. Like the amount of media aggregators and podcast apps, it's not going to go down. And these larger tech companies have no interest in it falling. If anything, the only thing that they're in the business of is getting people closer and closer to the vending machine. That's it. At the end of the day, I feel very strongly that the big techos are going to support independent creators. So if we were going to do, and I'm just making this up, you tell me if this is not the right way to think about it. But sure. If we were going to do a six-month trial together, mm -hmm. what, would, what would it look like? So we haven't done one with a signed podcast yet. I would have to think about it. But if we can just basically go over, like, you tell me what your dream situation is. Is, is it just 100,000 listeners per episode at the end of six months? Is if it, we got to uh, that, I would be ecstatic. If we got to yeah, 100,000 so, downloads an episode in six months, that would be a grand slam home run. And that's obviously super ambitious. What is there a number? If we had a failure called 50,000, I would find a way to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it, what if, I mean, what if at the end of that time, we only got to like 30,000, 35,000 an episode? Would you, would you be moderately excited? Yeah, I'd definitely be happier than I am now. Here's what I know. Here's okay. what I figured out. It's yeah. this simple. It's 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 just it's it is just this simple, Chad. There is a monster in my head that okay. is loud that I need to get quieter. And there's one way yes. to get it quieter. <laughs> yes, is to have this show be uh, you know much bigger than it is. And look, it's not that I'm. I actually don't look at the numbers that much. So it probably sounds like I care more about it than I do. But you but, have an important message to get out, for sure. I do. And the other thing is, and this is my curse, I know Category King economics. I just, I know the reality of it. And so when Mark Marin and Joe Rogan get 8 million downloads an episode, 
and mm-hmm. Jordan gets four million a month. And let's see, he says, how many how many shows does he do? He does three. Does he? I think he does. Does he do three or two a week? I'm not sure, but hasn't he been doing it since like the very oh, yeah, beginning? No, he's too? been doing it forever. Yeah. I mean, you know, comparing myself to these people is an absolute you know way to drive yourself crazy. But, but I mean, but I don't, I don't know. Understand I, my point. I, I, I love being harsh. I love being harsh on myself too. So I'm, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and and here's the other one. If you really want to know the truth, guys like Grant Cardone and Gary V and Ty Lopez make me crazy. And I just look at it and go, if the world consumes so much of these zero content, Kardashian business entrepreneur porn stars, then yep. legends and losers should be 10x bigger than those three guys combined. Because I'm in a war around that matters versus candy. And that's really, if yep. you really want to know, that's the one that drives me crazy. I think Gary V is the worst thing to happen to entrepreneurs in decades. And it's actually got less to do with a competition want, thing, although yeah, that's part want, of it. Yeah. But it's got more to do with proving that, like, you know, must die. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, right, I'm right there with you. But let me, let me add this in. So I... I definitely, I respect, I'm, I'm not a fan in terms of like, I don't consume uh, any of those people as you, you mentioned, like their content. I have listened to them to get a sense of like, of course, a general sense of like what they are, what they're about and stuff. I really don't like fault any of these people. Like it is so early in terms of like the internet and media and everything like that, that there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, you can sell sugar or you can sell healthy fats. It's, it's, it's your choice. And I really don't, fault any of the people that are out there selling sugar just because the business world is so hard. And I think it's become such a nightmare to get any type of profitable enterprise off the ground that man, like I might not agree with some of their stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I can't fault them for it. You know, I struggle well, with a better it. better person than I am. <laughs> I, no, I would, I wouldn't go. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but I, cause some of the stuff with like free speech right now, it definitely worries me. And it's like, I, I don't want anybody censored generally. Like it's, there are the, the obvious like caveats there where if somebody's directly threatening people or if we can, I know it's a tricky debate, but um, yeah, it's a tough subject. No, I, I don't conflate the candy with the free speech. Like I, I think it's yeah. unconscionable that Twitter, Facebook and Apple got rid of Alex Jones. Oh damn, you're going to say it. That's no, it's so You it's, either believe in free speech like, or you don't. Okay. I know, right? I think I think Alex Jones is an. I think what he says is insanity. My personal opinion is he can go himself, but yes, I will lay down on train tracks for his right to spew his. Yeah, and I think when you deem it, oh well, that's hate speech. Yeah. Okay. Well, you either believe in free speech or you don't. You can't drive movements like that under the ground. It's very, very important that from a safety standpoint that we allow freedom of speech in the country. And like, I say this as I know that can come across the wrong way to a lot of people that don't like the defense community and the the military, but trust me as a veteran, as a person that's been in the military, these people generally are amazing people. And you really, really want a robust defense and intelligence community helping to monitor those who are kind of on the verge of the person you mentioned, and you really want them to have easy access to that person's content so they can keep an eye on them. And obviously there are other ways that they can keep an eye on people and we can't like, we can dive into the debate about that later. But at the end of the day, like there are a whole bunch of reasons. You either why you believe don't in free censor. speech or you don't. Yes. And you have to defend the free speech of people you think are in the case of Alex Jones, some of the ugliest people on the planet. Yes. Because yes. anybody who says that Sandy Hook didn't happen is just ugly person that is creating untold unimaginable pain just because they're driving clickbait and so you can hate him all you want i think he's an absolute but i defend his right to be that definitely and being a in a way that we can keep an eye on him that's it yeah and i disagree with apple i disagree with twitter and i disagree with facebook taking them down i completely disagree with that stuff Never mind the fact uh, that it probably made them even more popular. 
you know, yeah, it's, it's like again, the number what, one that way study, to get, be successful is to figure out a way to get, get a band. band. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that stuff works, but I think that, so for anybody out there, it's like familiar with the tech community. Naval Ravikan had a great Are post. Are we doing the podcast or what? A, it, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were. Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe we are. I don't know. I, thought I, you I was said talking we, to you about distribution ideas. <laughs> I, I thought you said we were recording. Well, we are. No, we can do anything we want with this. I mean, you're recording, right? Yeah. If, if you want to segue, I'd, I'd love to just like get a chance to ask you some questions. Yeah, let's go. Cool. Why are you podcasting? The answer to that question is very simple. Legends and Losers is the podcast I wanted to listen to. When did you want to listen to that? I'm not sure. I know how you want me to answer the question. What, in what context? Where at I what, was in the stage yeah, of my life? Yeah, like at what point in your life do you feel that Legends and Losers would have been the most valuable maybe? Oh, 18. What were you up to when you were 18? Starting my first company. And what was that? It was called Roger Pierce, or as we say in Montreal, Roger Pierce Associé. Me and my buddy Jack started a computer training and consulting company, and I was 18 and he was 19. We figured nobody would buy from us, so we <laughs> made up a guy who sounded like he was in charge. <laughs> so it looked like we worked for this guy. We were like junior partners or whatever. So we had we spent what little money we had on, on high-end business cards. It said Roger Pierce Associé, Christopher W. It. Lockhead partner <laughs> did you have to run all your important business decisions and contract decisions by roger pierce for roger, approval yeah exactly I, I understand understand the struggle like there's only so much you can do roger's got the the final word yeah um <laughs> that's hilarious i was craving for so i'm somebody who learns by listening i'm dyslexic and i i'm somebody who thinks out loud and i could not find a free-range business podcast that really got into it that got past yeah. the three media train talking points and that was substantive and at the same time was fun yeah right there are some very substantive meaningful podcasts out there in the business world but a lot of them are boring so a lot of them are so far off base too like if you took the strategies advocated into an enterprise b2b sales meeting you're going nowhere. <laughs> like you're not, you're not going to do the type of like YouTube hard sales training that so many of these people are advocating. You're going to get laughed out of the room. So, well, and the business podcast I wanted to listen to, first of all, was not a business podcast. It was about a human being because we're human beings first, right? So what are your, your personal motivations yeah. are your professional motivations. So I wanted to break that barrier. I thought that was always a stupid barrier to me. But again, I didn't know if people would be willing to have those kinds of conversations. And then the other one for me as a listener is, and I know this will probably get me in trouble with some people, but like I didn't want to, li like there's a lot of people who their expertise is, mm -hmm. they made themselves a guru. A lot. I right? can't, there's a lot of speakers one, who are like the yeah. success story I'm going to come and share with you is how I became a successful speaker. Yes. How you can become one too. That's so oh, that confusing. whole world. Yeah. There's no value in that world whatsoever. No, the internet marketing conversation world, about leadership. Yep. Don't talk to somebody who like read some Peter Drucker books and has a dumb podcast. Have Stanley McChrystal on the podcast. I could not, could not agree more. Yeah. And so I wanted a been there, done that no conversation about what it really takes. That's, that was fun. That's what I yeah. was seeking and I couldn't find it. And so I thought, well, and my buddy Colin had been on me for a long time to start a podcast. So that's probably a long winded answer, but that's why. That answer just illuminated a lot of the communities that would most resonate with the podcast. And I think that so many businesses now are media companies and so many people have different groups, very small LinkedIn groups, things like that, that what you just described makes it infinitely more easier to, I think, market this and get this to the right people for sure. Because I think that the amount of people out there that are craving something like that is massive. And reaching them though, is that's a little bit of a challenge, but I think that's definitely doable. So when did you first move out to Silicon Valley? Are you a California native? No, I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada. My first company, Roger Pierce, failed. 
And then I, I got a job at another startup and I did some stuff in, in the tech startup scene in, in Eastern Canada and then ultimately ended up starting my own company again a couple years down the line. And I sold that company 22 years ago to a public Silicon Valley, uh, what at the time was a CRM company called Avantive. And so there I was at 27, 28 years old, the head of marketing of a NASDAQ listed, you know, public company that was growing at, I don't know, about 50% of the year at the time. And there I was. <laughs> did you celebrate when you sold it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Although yes. it was, it was exciting, but it was also a super challenging time because I was moving from Canada to the United States. And, you know, there's just a lot, there was a lot going on in my personal life. I was married and first my wife didn't want to come and you know this is just a lot but yes did i celebrate nay did i celebrate you know it is an incredible thing to get to the top of the mountain that you wanted to get to the top of and it's an incredible thing to do that you know in barely 10 years after you started and and still to be so young you know i yeah. was i mean you know i was just a very young guy of course and had no education <laughs> Which is why you were able to do that, right? <laughs> or maybe yeah, I just uh, sort of, of skip that whole part. Just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I always thought I should write a book called Start at the Top. <laughs> skip the credentials and realize you don't need the, the prerequisites. Yeah. My friend Isaac Morehouse, the founder of Praxis, says, be your own credential. I love it. We've hired three Praxis graduates for our team so far. We did a two-part series, a Q&A. So, he had all, all of, or a bunch of his students read my second book, Niche Down, and then we did this long Q&A session with them afterwards, and then we dropped cool. it as a two-part episode, and it was really, it's an amazing thing to spend time with 18 to 23, 24, 25-year-old people who are that focused and committed, and yeah, I it's, love, uh, I love it, them. It's so exciting, too. Yeah, they're just definitely people who are open to the idea that new things can happen, that change is possible. Like, I mean, you get... You feel like I feel kind of corny saying that. Yeah, everybody we've talked to out of the program and everybody that we've worked with is great. I mean, they generally have like the right mindset that is necessary to do the things that we do. So, and that's becoming increasingly rare. That was my experience in, in my interaction with them for sure. Yeah. So, as you're going, you sell the company. And at that point, you're the CMO of this publicly traded company that's on the NASDAQ. Is it incredibly stressful? Is it you know, are you just doing time there waiting to leave or are you like really passionate about the job? Where, where were you at then? Oh, I was insanely passionate about the job, deeply committed to making Vantive the winner in CRM and working with my colleagues and I was going for it. There was no part of me that wasn't going for it. Where'd that come from? That drive or I guess that willingness to be a team player and help them win and being focused on that. Cause I feel like Winning is something that a lot of people have mistook for being a bad thing. Yeah, that that makes me crazy. We got our yeah. we got our head screwed way on wrong if if we think winning's a bad thing. Winning's a great thing. Losing I agree. Sucks. I've embraced my inner loser, and I I know I've been to the show enough times to know that anything legendary you attempt is going to, by definition, cause a tremendous amount of losery to happen along the way. Look, I I made a decision very early. Chad as a young guy around 17 years old that I was going to you know they say put up put up or shut up I was going to put up right I was going to go for it I, I was not going to be right I, I was not going to drink beer in the basement and talk about how much life sucks with a bunch of other losers who never accomplished anything or met a woman or any of that and so once I flicked that switch I, I was just hellbent uh, there was just no I was undeniable. I mean, I had a million setbacks. And one thing nobody ever talks about in business is if you're going to go for anything, yeah. the likelihood you're going to get over, forget the losing part. I can you know, learn how to handle that. But like sure. the world is not a request for legendary. As a matter yeah. of fact, when people try to go do extraordinary things, the world is a giant you. The amount of people that will come out of the woodwork to either sabotage, stop, or dissuade you from doing anything big or that matters, it's astonishing. That was the biggest thing I didn't anticipate was the amount of snide comments that came from so-called friends, so-called family members and things like that. That was rough. That was something that I didn't 
fully anticipate. Did you, I don't know, did you experience something similar? Did you get a lot of encouragement? I've had all that. I had encouragement, yeah. of course. I, and I had great mentors because, you know, starting the way that I did, when you have no experience, no money, no education, and no relationships, sure. the way you learn is by doing, by reading, and by seeking out mentors. Those are the only three choices. So I did all of them. And, and people, have, you know, all kinds of people have said all kinds of things to me. That, But I'm not even talking about that. I'm sure. talking about getting over for a million dollars, like people who break the contract, people who look you in yep. the eye one day and say one thing and the next day absolutely pretend it didn't happen. Because there's a term that I don't hear very much anymore, and I think, I think it's an important one to talk about. And the term is situational ethics. And there's a lot of situational ethics in business. I say what's good for me now, and if it's not good for me t tomorrow or next week, then I say the exact opposite, and who the f*** cares, right? I do and say whatever is good for me in the moment. And so, you know, I've been screwed over by some of the biggest CEOs in the Fortune 500. And we can name names if you want. But that, I think, is the part that no one tells you. Like, the likelihood you are going to, yes, every, people are going to say bad things. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to tell you you can't, all, all that, absolutely. But that, yep. you need to get the f*** over that fast. The part no one tells you is, oh, yeah? And then, like, they're going to f*** you over for a million bucks, right? That's, yeah, that's unfortunate. Or, or someone, I had an entrepreneur on the podcast recently, right, where someone just took her idea, yep. went and f funded an absolute copycat competitor. Like yep. just, just said, oh, that's interesting. And like went to a different set of VCs and like started the exact same company. Right. So this is, that's, can I jump in there? Yeah, of course. You jump so that, in. So that's a really interesting point. And I think that like with entrepreneurs, like being not just thick skinned, but being at a place where you expect that and where I think you have to come to the mindset eventually where you are open to the fact that plenty of VCs, plenty of people in the business world have no good ideas of their own. And the whole reason they have set up shop is to outsource their R&D, outsource their thinking. If you're the type of person that their best idea you have, the best thing you can think of to fund is somebody else's idea, man, that's a lame place to be. That's a, that's a scary place to be as, I mean, who are you? Are you just somebody that like blindly copies other people, tries to like steal everything, tries to take everything? And yeah, there are plenty of people like that. But I think as an entrepreneur, as a founder, what you always have to remember when somebody steals your idea, when somebody comes in, like, cause that will happen nonstop. Like they are the B test. You're the A test. Let other people split test like variants, let them fork your company's intellectual property per se, and let them run the test. If you don't have the resources to fight it, let them split test it for you and learn everything you can from it because you'll be able to incorporate that in your own models. Because if you're the one that's driven to do it, I think a lot of people misunderestimate how much energy comes from being uh, over. They misunderestimate what happens to you as a person when you have somebody treat you poorly. Because the best people I've found, the people who do have ethics, the people who care about virtue, they respond to that by becoming more energized. And it's a, it's a situation where it's like, it's not pleasant, but you know, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that challenge to push back against you. So you step up and say, yeah, no more. Or you get to a place where you can have so much success that you can fight it legally or you can do whatever. So, And so that's the part I didn't know. And in moments of weakness, it certainly has left me feeling like, why, why bother? You know? Now, the flip side is, and, and yeah. this answers the question, why bother? The flip side is there's nothing more legendary than doing legendary Right. And they wouldn't call it legendary if there wasn't some difficulty to it. Right. So that's kind yes. of point A. Point B on the people you over flip side. Guess what? There's a lot of amazing people who, for some reason, in my case, many uncalculable numbers of times went out of their way to help me for no personal gain whatsoever. And that's a breathtaking thing. I can't even explain the feeling when somebody takes a bet on you or when somebody is the first person to recognize greatness or recognize when there's the start of something legendary happening. If you can be the first person that recognizes that greatness in another and help them out a little bit, I mean, what a great place to be because I'm thinking in my head about people that have stepped up and helped me when I didn't quite deserve an opportunity or I didn't have everything 
like as polished as it should be, but said, no, I want to bet on you. Like the type of loyalty I have to those individuals, it's never going away. And I can, I can tell you that. Yeah. Yes. It's very, it's a very powerful experience. And I think, I think it's powerful for anybody, no matter what. And if you're an entrepreneur or entrepreneurial, I think some of us who are entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial are that way because when no one will bet on your potential, yeah, you have to, right? And so when I was 18, nobody was going to bet on my potential to build multi-billion dollar market cap companies. And so when nobody will bet on your potential, when that's your start place, Chad, you're the one betting on your potential. And yep. then as you move forward, when somebody else then goes, oh, okay, I, I'm going to bet on this person. Starting to see it. That's a yeah. mind-blowing thing. It's, it can literally like lift you out of the pit of depression, despair faster than anything I've experienced. I can't even explain how much of a difference it, it was in certain you know, certain situations from being super depressed, like at the end of my wits one day to being just like completely on top of the world and having that on top of the world feeling like last for a while too. In a way, it's like those situations make it all worth it. And then in the rare opportunities where you get to pay that forward in whatever small way, like I, I, I do that now in very small ways, but it's fun, right? Yeah. And I'm a guy that works really hard to pay that forward. And I, I, I actually got taught something in the last year or so. Do you want to hear a quick story about this? So about a, a little over a year ago now, I was on a speaking tour with my friends and our founding sponsor of Legends and Losers, NetSuite. And we were going to all these cities and having a great time. And in some of the cities, and I was book signing, and you know that's, a, that's an amazing whole conversation in and of itself, what, some, what it's like to have a line of people, you know, like your f***ing Santa Claus. It's a mind blower. But anyway... So we're in, in some of these cities, they also brought on board a big time athlete. So we go down to San Diego and I'm the opening act and Bill Walton, NBA legend, oh, wow. one of the 50 greatest players ever, according to the NBA, is the closing act. And I meet him before the event starts and he walks in the room, right? And we're in this it's not a big event. It's like a hundred people. It's a ding dong, you know, executive schmooze dinner fest with a, with a bunch of speakers. Anyway, he walks into the room and you don't need to know he's Bill Walton to know Bill Walton just walked in the room. He's literally seven Six feet foot tall. Ten. Seven feet, yeah. Well, I don't know if he's actually <laughs> seven, but I mean, he might as well be. I mean, he might as well be. Yeah. At that level, it's, uh, yeah, giant. You know, and I'm a six foot guy and, you know, the, the tallest guy I normally, you know, six four is sort of, the tallest person you, at least I normally meet in life, right? That's, you don't meet that, I don't meet that many people taller than 6'4". And so at six feet, you know, you kind of tilt, I kind of tilt my head up a smidgen, but I'm not really looking up to them, if you know right. what I mean. Bill Walton is a foot taller than me. <laughs> anyway, uh, long story, way longer. I meet Bill and, and we have a connection and uh, he, he listens to my speech and I can see him in the back of the room because he's gigantic and he's writing like pages of notes as I'm talking and I'm thinking to myself, why is this, why, why would he care about any of the that's in my book or any, any of the that I'm talking about? Anyway, we end up having dinner afterwards. We develop this, this great friendship and he goes ahead and reads my first book, Play Bigger, and he falls in love with it. And he agrees to come on placement. the podcast. <laughs> it is a sexy placement, cover, yeah. isn't it? It's awesome. Yeah, I love you did the same thing with Niche Down. I have that yeah, right over on the desk. Anyway, long story a thousand times longer, Chad. He reads Play Bigger, he gets fired up about it, and here's what he starts doing. You know, he's at ESPN. Isn't that fun? Oh, absolutely. Who does a pink cover of a business book? Come on. Real men. Yeah, exactly. And women. Sorry, oh, I got to send you a pair of these. I got uh, If you had come over today, I would have given you these. Can you see these? These are legends and losers. John's crazy socks. That's really cool. Yeah, yes. greatest sock company on the planet. John's socks.com. Need to, need to uh, step up my sock game. So that's yeah. No, you can get custom mission socks from John's crazy socks.com. I'm just going to say cool. John's crazy socks.com as many times as I can. I make no <laughs> money from promoting John's crazy socks.com, but I think you should. We'll try to hook it up. I'll, the greatest, the greatest business shot. in America. They were on the podcast. I cried when we shot it. I cried when we edited it and I cried when it came out. John has down syndrome and he started the company with his dad. 
Mark. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, John, like so many of us, there was nobody who was going to bet on his potential. Yeah. He and his dad did. It's it's unbelievable. Anyway. Isn't that special when parents step up to help help their kids too? I just like, I, I definitely get like emotional thinking about, yeah, all the people that are like struggling with real real world challenges. And then, you know, you go back to the Silicon Valley first world problem stuff and it just kind of makes you sick because there's people struggling with like real, real challenges. And that's, yeah, it's an awesome story. Well, and what I love about John and Mark and from what I gather, the family, nobody views Down syndrome as a problem. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I mean, Mark always said it was about what John can do, not what John can't do. And the other thing I love about it from a, you know, one of my favorite expressions, Chad, is follow your different. Follow yeah. your passion is one of the dumbest pieces of business advice in, or life advice ever. And so what John did and his dad and his family was they took something that I think many people could easily view as a liability and just turned it into an asset, right? They made Down syndrome, the, the, is, they made it their thing. You know, yeah. they give money away. And I mean, they're incredible. They're in my new book. They're incredible. And John's on fire and Mark's on fire and the company's growing and they hire all kinds of people that are, in Mark's words, differently abled. And they're doing all this incredible stuff and giving money away and it, it, incredible. And so follow your different, right? They, they took Down syndrome and turned it into a competitive advantage for an entrepreneur. Uh, it just, yeah. it, it is so great. It's probably, it's hard to pick a favorite episode, but it's hard not to love, for me, not to love that episode of, of Legends and Losers in a very special kind of unique way. Is, would you say that's your favorite? If you had to pick that or maybe another like two top favorite or three top favorites, I know it's, it's like, it's hard to pick, but are there any others that stand out in terms yeah, so of like emotional connection? Sure. There's been a handful of others that are like so mind-blowingly smart. You know, when you have a conversation with PayPal co-founder and founder of Yammer, David Sachs, if you're an entrepreneur, there are entrepreneurs who would literally pay 10 grand to have lunch with David Sachs. And on that episode, he lays down some that is so incredibly powerful and valuable. You know, Mike Maples, same thing. I mean, people don't come smarter than Mike Maples. And he actually has empathy and EQ and yeah, he really, really, I've seen him speak. I've seen him. He was at a veteran conference I was speaking at a while ago, and not only did he speak, but I think he wrote a check into a veteran company, and he actually puts his money to work for causes that he cares about, That's which is rare. So. He got teary-eyed on our podcast when he talked about what he wants for the future and the difference they're trying to make at Floodgate Capital. And I've known Mike Maples a very long time, long before he was a big deal, and he's a very big deal. You know, So that's incredibly special. As we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, we, we've had four-star general Stanley McChrystal on the podcast twice. And the, the second time was even maybe a little better than the first time. Yeah. And, and he's talking about being a grandfather and what that means to him. Like, it's a human discussion with a gigantic dude. You know, It's probably the first time he's been asked by an interviewer to talk about his personal life. I don't think that, which is, yeah, a rarity too. Well, I'm not so. an interviewer. I wouldn't know how to do yeah. an interview. You know, it didn't mean to be smirch your. Uh, no, 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 no. Don't be. No, no, not be <laughs> about it. It's just no, no. I'm not. I don't look. There are some interviewers who are incredible, right? I sure. think Terry Gross is a national treasure by way of example, right? And she's an interviewer. She's a journalist, and so it's not like I on all interviewers. And then you know we 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 had Will Little on twice, and he's about to come back on for the third time. And if you had told me that I was going to become friends with and actually fall in love with and want to do everything I can to support a convicted murderer, I would have told you that wasn't possible. And Will Little is a force for good in the world that is so extraordinary. And so, yeah. And look, hey, we just dropped an episode with Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter. Well, Dr. Shoshana is not even 40 years old. And she's one of the leaders in California in the right to die movement and was part of why that law got passed. And we have a conversation around how to design a legendary death. 
Well, that's not a wow. conversation you hear on most business podcasts, now is it? And it's a big topic. It's, it's a topic people could think is a heavy topic, but she's not heavy. And we have a put your big girl, big boy pants on conversation around, hey, listen, how do you stick the landing? Yeah, because that's, I mean, these are universal themes that are people have running in their heads, the questions that they want answered. It's easy to look at the glut of content out there and think that all of the right things are being created. And what I find and what you're saying is like, it's not being created. Like we're just scratching the surface of finding the stories that really matter, getting them to the right people. And like, it's in a sense, it's like, it's day one for this because our media in this country, like they haven't really been doing that. They've been focusing on everything that's wrong. And there's so many things that are going right. I feel like the more we can surface what's right, like the more things change, the more people show up to work from the commute, feeling inspired. It's like, yeah, it's definitely a force for good. Daryl Treffert on the podcast twice now. Dr. Treffert, is in his 80s. He lives in near Winnebago, Wisconsin. He's a psychiatrist. He's considered the world's leading expert on autism, savantism, and, and genius, particularly acquired genius. Hmm. He was the guy they hired as the consultant on Rain Man to make sure the movie was authentic. He's that guy. And he's now been with us twice, and I hope he comes back again. He's one of the most inspiring human beings I've ever met. And he gave me an extraordinary compliment in this regard, which is, you know, he's, he's been on everything. You name it. He's been on 60 Minutes. He's been on Good Morning America. He's, you name any giant media outlet in this country, he's been on it more, probably more than once. And he said something like, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, he, he gets asked to come do this stuff all the time. And they say, yeah, we want you to come on our show and we want you to tell us everything you know about your area of expertise. And can you do it in about 40 seconds or less? And so for him to be able to come on Legends and Losers, there's no time constraint. But we just have a conversation about life, about his areas of expertise, things he's learned, why he keeps doing what he's doing when he quote unquote should be retired, et cetera, et cetera. The reality is there are not a lot of places where, in this case, Dr. Treffert can go and have a free range no bullshit conversation about what really matters to him that is going to appear, is going to be unedited, and is going to be shared with the world at any kind of a scale. That to yeah. me is the magic of podcasting right there. Absolutely. It's uh, in a lot of ways, like it's, yeah, it's an important job. It's kind of fun though, to be the one that gets to, gets to do that. Like that's uh, uh, We've done two episodes day. with, you know, I never finished my story, but that's okay. We did two episodes with Bill Walton and like, if you listen, you know, he's an Emmy award winning broadcaster. You li- if you listen to him on ESPN calling the basketball, like he's a pro, y- you can't help but love him. Right. Yeah. But like, Hey, on legends and losers, you get to spend an hour inside Bill Walton's brain. <laughs> and it is one fun place to hang out. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you were to factor how valuable that is, you mentioned earlier, there's plenty of entrepreneurs that would pay $10,000 to sit down with David Sachs and, ask similar questions and have him talk about similar issues. That's a pretty big value proposition in terms of in favor of the consumer or the person that's enjoying the episode. Like I think for the first time in history, like the power balance there is like really shifting to be the case where the user, the person that's listening, the consumer, the person isn't getting propaganda. They're getting real people. They're getting teachers. They're getting leaders. That's a game changer. That hasn't happened before in history at least to, to my knowledge. You know, maybe you could argue it's happened a couple times, but I would say it's generally the first time that this has ever happened. So It is. Yeah. And look, you can't get this at a conference. No. It's not going to happen, right? Yeah. And I'm going to say something here. I don't mean this in a shitty way because I, th- I love Ted. I want to talk about Ted for a second. And I went to some of the early ones. Once they started putting it all online, I stopped going because that's a different <laughs> conversation. But... There is a little bit of an asterisk on on the TED stuff for me now. And I still consume a lot of it. So it's 99.9% legendary. There's no question. Definitely. But the little asterisk for me is it's so formulaic now. Yes. Right? A TED talk is a very formula-driven thing. I get up. I share something deeply personal about me. That's the hook. And Mm -hmm. then I back, you know, and then I wrap it up. It's so, it's like an episode of Law and Order. Every yeah. single time. And they coach every speaker, every TEDx, every the same to way. do exactly the same thing. 
And so it look, and I'm not an idiot. I know why speeches, you know, get rehearsed. And there's, sure. there's good reason for that. And I get that. There's same, something so much more powerful about a free range conversation. Yeah. Like you need some constraints, but the second you start keeping on too many constraints, you, you lose something for sure. And I think too, when it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, both people are, they get more of a permission to be themselves because despite what anybody tells you, when you get in front of a big group of people, your message, what you like literally in front of a big group of people, when you're speaking to say like 300 people, 400 people, your message changes. And if you think that it doesn't, if you think that when the camera comes on or the big crowd of people come up that you're still being who you would be and if you were in front of one person or a close friend, I think you're mistaken. I think that we can all aspire to, to talk like we're talking one-on-one -on -one with a big audience, but something changes there. And there's just generally more authentic conversations when it's just one-on-one, -on -one, when it's just a group of four people. So yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate about that as well. So. Yeah, there's no question when you're in front of an audience, you're going to put on a performance. Look, I've done it a million times. And look, we want to go see a performance when we're an audience. Yeah, definitely. This is it's a, just different, like, it's a different It's a different thing. There you go. Yeah, if you had to, don't hate me for this, but for everybody that's listening that might occasionally ask you for a bit of a motivational message or something like that, what do you say? It could be an anti-motivational message. Maybe it's something that helped you stop seeking external motivation and just become intrinsically motivated. But is there a story? Is there a thought process? Like, what do you reflect on when things are difficult for you or when you are struggling with something? Like, is there any type of place, person, or story you go to for inspiration? Yeah, there is. And by the way, I, I, don't, I, I don't mean to on that stuff. Some of that stuff is incredibly important. I think what Tony Robbins does is incredibly important. I've never been a giant consumer of his stuff, but I, I get what he's doing. And I think he and Oprah and Dr. Phil and Deepak Chopra, or is this comedian? I think her name is Ali Wong. She calls them <laughs> Deepak Oprah. She sort of mushes them all together. Anyway. I think their hearts are in the right place. I, I do. And I think yeah. they, th those people and others, of course, made it okay to talk about things that didn't used to be okay. And, and you know, we all need a motivational shot of sugar every once in a while. And some of those folks, my argument about, you know, the Gary V's and the Ty Lopez is I, I think they're like 1% content and like 99% stupid sugar. So whereas I think a guy like Tony Robbins, there's a lot of content there. There's a lot of substance there. To answer your question, I ask myself this question. If I was legendary, what would I do right now? That's the question. Because... It's easy to suck. Yeah. It's easy to have a pity party. It's easy to be defeated. It's easy to give up. And I've done all of those things, by the way. And I Same. have been Humpty Dumpty on the ground requiring my friends and family to put me back together again. I, I don't know if I'm technically bipolar, but I'm, you know, I got a lot of wackadoo going on. And I got a lot of yeah. high highs and I got a lot. My low lows are horrible, right? And yeah. here's the other thing I've learned. This is a side note, by the way, as a married guy. You can only have one crazy person in a relationship. <laughs> oh, man, my wife would definitely agree. My, my wife yeah. is not a bipolar mess. My wife yeah. is not dragging around Samsonites from the past. She's not having to take <laughs> Deepak Oprah classes to like none of that. She doesn't understand any of it. She doesn't. It, she's never consumed one Jim Rohn anything like <laughs> No Zig Ziglar, not a, yeah. not a, not a, an ounce of it. She does exactly exactly the same way. Jen. She has no issue with her dad, like n yep. nothing, zero. She's happy. She's complete. She's productive. She's successful. End of discussion. Like, yeah. and it's not, it's not a lie. Like, there's a lot of people who look that way and they go, oh yeah, but like, you really. But there's the the skeleton somewhere. There's the yeah. She, yeah. she she doesn't have any so only one crazy person only one bipolar i call it dyslexia i have seven <laughs> things you know dys, dyscalculia dyslexia dys whatever leah i can't put together ikea furniture i don't sure. know where my keys are uh, whatever uh, the there whole will be thing. new ones there will be new ones soon new and better disses <laughs> yeah so i got all the dyslexias so only one crazy person in the relationship but once i'm sick of the pity party that i'm throwing for myself I just say, okay, well, if you were legendary, what would you do? 
What would a legendary person in this situation do? Do that. You're Christopher Lockhead. Stop whining. Stop moaning. Oh, great. I get the world. I get whatever it is. I love that. And, and the, the other one, Chad, I think this is really important for anybody who's like got high highs and low lows and, and is that way. I also think having people in your life who know you and love you and, you know, Carrie will say to me, are, you know, are you done yet? And I'll say, no, I probably need a couple more hours of feeling like, she, oh, okay, let me know when you're done. Right. So yeah. she, she understands, right. You got to know. And so you got to have people who love you and allow for whatever that, and also don't let you stay there for, you know, too much longer than you should. Yeah. Wise advice. A lot of things I've done, like I just, I could not have done them without Steph's support. My wife, it's just, yeah, it's just so true. But so how long have you and Carrie been together? A little over a decade. Okay, exactly, cool. Exactly, but you know, it's been a couple of scotches, but yeah, maybe <laughs> uh, maybe 11 years now. And yeah. married, we just had our 6th anniversary. Oh, and here here's another recommendation for dudes. So I have a wedding ring, right? Like most dudes. And sometimes dudes will take the anniversary and have that <laughs> inscribed. But they often inscribe it on the inside of the ring. My ring has the date on the outside. So like, and we got married in September. And so, you know, I'm an idiot. So it's two weeks away from our, our wedding anniversary. Of course, I'm not thinking about that. And right. I have my ring on and we all play with our ring a little, right? Don't we all sort of around with our ring a little? So like, right there uh, you. and I, I happened to catch the date with my eye and I went, holy, I got to get busy. That's why the date's on the outside. <laughs> got to advertise yourself. Yeah. <laughs> got to market to yourself for sure. Cause yeah, I would, I would forget that stuff too. If I didn't leave reminders all over the place. Well, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. This was a blast. So, well, I really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. I want you to be hugely successful. I think the business world needs somebody who's completely reimagining what content and what media is per all of our earlier discussions. So uh, way to go, Chad. Oh, thanks so much. The Mission Studios creates custom media for world-class companies like Salesforce, Twilio, Katera, and more. To connect with our team of creatives, you can reach us at info at themission.co. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.